Oscar Poker. I'm sorry to be giving you stupid questions, but I'm... Oh, go ahead. Shoot me. I have so many uh, things on my mind that I can't seem to hang on to basic information. But but also, at the same time, when I was saying I couldn't... I'm just sorry to ask stupid questions. They're not stupid questions. As my teacher, one of my teachers once said, there are no stupid questions. So go ahead. What's up? What's the next one? Next one. Yeah, do you have another question? Oh, no, no, no. I, I did ask you, and you pointed out to me that the admin yeah. and, and Hollywood also slash WordPress and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I get that. Okay. okay, cool. I'm glad you get it. So did you try logging in with your login and password? Well, because I've been writing I've been writing some something I just finished, and uh, so I thought we could, uh, if you want, we could just chat about a couple of things that are happening, and it doesn't matter if you haven't seen anything. We could still talk about stuff. Sure. Okay. We could go, we could talk about the um, the the Cannes Film Festival lineup. Yep. And um, any movies we think are going to be particularly good, we could go through your list actually of, of movies that you have marked. You know, movies sure. you're really interested in or just sort of interested in. And yep. Um, and then you're leaving for CinemaCon soon too, right? Yes, that's right. I'm going to go tomorrow around noon or thereabouts. And you're driving or flying? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm gonna fly. Uh, um, I just uh, paid a bunch of money to get my beater car uh, driving uh, in good shape again. How much did you pay? Seventeen hundred. Oh, Jeff. Why am I investing in a beater exactly? Well, because I don't want to invest ten thousand or fifteen thousand. Well, why does it have to be that much? Um, I bet you could get some really good deals now with cars. You know. <laughs> All I know is that you can. Uh, if you don't watch it and you have a little bit of money in your in your bank account and you have these plans as I have to you know to do us uh, to be in Prague and and to be in uh, Germany and um, all these things that I right. intend to do not to mention the redesign which is another seven grand all I know is that at a certain point it all kind of yeah. uh, kicks in and you have this horrifying sense of of you're bleeding you're hemorrhaging and just the money is just pouring out and uh, and and I know this is a good time uh, because everybody's paying now and everything but I just went into a panic mode uh I said I've got to stop this I've got to stop this I feeling know. of of hemorrhaging and um and so I decided not to think about buying a new vehicle I just freaked yeah. out and decided to put money into the beater instead I hear this howling sound like this wind 
I think it just stopped. Okay. Yes, it, it did. Um, I, you know, I think you're okay because you've got your scooter. You spend a lot of time in New York. Yeah. You know, you're not home uh, a right. lot to drive. You don't spend a lot of time in your car. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, what the hell, right? <laughs> what the hell is uh, I'm 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 more or less content with it. I hate driving this stupid thing. But have you noticed that? Um, I know I love driving my car. Really, I have to say, I spent twenty five grand on it. But I oh. well, it was I, and back in two thousand nine, and I paid cash. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's nice to have a car that I, I can I just know is going to run really well all the time, and that the air conditioning is going to work, and the you know. And it's it's just not going to have to do the thing where where like the car overheats and you have to run your heater in the valley in the middle of summer. And stuff like. Are we recording, by the way? Yes, we're All recording. Right. Can we before we get into CinemaCon and Can in particular? Can I just review a couple of things? I know that you don't. Uh, you want to do off the record? You mean? No, no. I just oh, wanted okay. to ask you uh, about this coming Friday. Uh, All right. Because this weekend did not have anything. Uh, if Phil were here, he would be bored talking about, um, you know, right. nothing really. I mean, there's um, the lucky one. Did your daughter have any interest in that? That's kind no. of a, a younger woman's film. Did you? Did she go to that? that no, no, this no, weekend? no, no. No, she was actually in San Francisco. Okay. Um, I don't, you know, doing an, an orchestra thing, playing in, in her orchestra. So she didn't even think about the movies. But the only What's interesting her instrument again, cello. Oh, great! Okay. The only interesting thing about mm. um, about this weekend's box office, or you know, this mm. past weekend, was that Hunger Games got knocked down to number three. Yeah. But it's edging toward four hundred million. It's probably going to make four hundred million easy. That's the mm-hmm. only question I wanted to ask. But you know, that's not saying a lot because I looked at the chart and like. Um, Transformers mm-hmm. hit 400, so it's it's not like it's the greatest thing in the world to make that kind of money. But if it ever got up to like 500, then you'd be talking serious cash. Yeah, I mean I it's already. Was, I don't think there's anything that is less meaningful to history, <laughs> to the movie gods, to you, to me than the mere accumulation of cash. I just think that. But you don't think so because you're a guy. For me, it makes a difference because it's a female protagonist in a movie where she's not sexed up. And the, that it's making that kind of money? That no, that is that is significant. The fact right. that the movie connected with that character and all that is con, is very significant and a good thing. And more of that, please. Yes. Okay. Fine. So that's it. That's it about that movie. You know, yeah. that's that's spectacular. Is that, you know, girls can do it too. So. But I, but I hate it when people in the uh, reporting journalistic industry go, whoa, wow, lots of money was made. You know? mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's all right, you know. I just don't think it's very uh, healthy or very good. To, to, it's just uh, when, when a really good film, see, that it's not a good film, that's the problem, uh, connects, then it's a um, significant thing. So, um, Well, yeah. they're very rare in the, in the top ten highest grossing films of all time. The quality is, is pretty rare for the movie to be really good. I mean, there's E.T., I think, is maybe the best one of, the, of those. Well, there's Titanic and Avatar, of course, right at the top. Yeah. Right. Dark Knight, pretty good. That's at number three. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of them kind of yeah. suck. So. Most of the <laughs> movies that people want to see are not necessarily the best movies at all. So right. they want to see what they want to see. It's like, you know, people want uh, meatloaf and beans and mashed potatoes, and they don't want the other stuff. They just want what they want. And mm. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? Yeah. 
But <clears throat> I think it's it's unusual for a movie to have a female lead and make so much money. That's the only thing. And so now studio execs are going to trust that demographic more. Sure. That's very I mean, good. Like you said, it would be nice if that movie was a really good movie. I didn't think it was a bad movie, but obviously it's not the greatest movie you've ever seen. It's not as good as The Dark Knight. Right. Or um, So of the uh, coming films this coming weekend, <clears throat> I, know, I know that you're not as avid a moviegoer when it's uh, when movies do not seem to have a lot of critical uh, thematic richness going on so you don't tend to but I do I feel like I've got to suffer through these things and I'm just <laughs> wondering have you seen or been even invited to the Raven <laughs> no I want to see it though do you think it counts as historical fiction because no, they're taking just the gist. but obviously that I, never no, happened right yeah. Yeah, they're taking a Poe's legend and just say, let's throw Edgar Allan Poe and have him be a protagonist in a horror film. And, you know, that's that's fine. Just, just you know, just harmless bullshit. It's fine. Uh, I did see, and I, I would like to heartily recommend to all listeners, that Bernie is uh, a very uh, good film that's probably not going to make any money, but it's a really good film. Mm. It's... Uh, because I, I tell you what, I when I when I saw it last June, it's about a it's a true story about a about a uh, sort of a queer guy. I don't I don't mean gay, but I, I mean a guy who is kind of odd in his uh, predilections. Who in uh, Eastern Texas, uh, played by Jack Black, incidentally, he uh, sort of glommed onto this. Uh, he was a very uh, generous-hearted and very well-liked uh, guy in this small town of Carthage, Texas, and he worked in a funeral uh, home, and he was uh, a volunteer with, in any number of you know, civic activities, and he was just hugely liked, and he um, became very good friends with a much despised rich woman in town, and um, I think he liked some of the, the affluence and the money. He wasn't making very much money. He had some problems with the IRS. And uh, he wound up uh, losing his temper because she was a horrible person, and he shot her four times in the back, and he God. kept it, uh, kept it quiet. So people uh, regard that that story in and of itself as kind of uh, odd, a little bit creepy, but uh, it's a it, comedy. It, no, it's not meant to be a comedy. Okay, and ja- it, it's, so it's it, Jack it, it's, Black in a serious role. Well, semi-serious. He gets to sing a lot. It's almost a musical for him because he does a lot of singing, and as you know, he has a good voice and he really cares about singing. And uh, he does this little bit, a uh, very short scene, but he does a um, Robert Preston in The Music Man singing '76 Trombones. Mm. Uh, it's it's really good. I mean, the whole thing is so well done, and it uses. The Reds, uh, uh, Warren Beatty notion of, of talking to the witnesses, people that were there. So it's using a kind of a documentary approach. Interesting. But at the same time, it's telling a story in a dramatic tone. It's based on a Texas Monthly article that was written about 10 years ago. Huh. Wow. Because the, the, the offshoot is that after he's busted for this and, the, and he's prosecuted for the murder of this woman, everybody wants him to be let, to be let free. Everybody says, leave poor Bernie alone. We love Bernie. She was awful. We hated her anyway. And it basically said, says that people uh, are governed by emotions and not facts. That oh. they believe, they, they, beliefs matter more than um, facts. 
and that uh, uh, you know relationships matter more than uh, than the laws or breaking of laws. What what people really care about is do do you like that person? Is he or she somebody you really care for and is a good person? If they have done something wrong, people will cut you slack from you know seven days a week, and they will you know uh, even ignore the laws. That's just the way people are, and that to me that struck home something that's really true about people. And Bernie, that's directed by Richard Linklater, right? Yeah. They really, really oh, it's got some wonderfully uh, funny lines uh, by the natives about Texas and Texas culture, and um, uh, you know, people are pretty blunt about themselves. And well, you know, it's Texas where you you have the um, the carry law where you can carry a gun around. Uh-huh. And it's Texas where they're always arguing about the right to bear arms. Yeah. And so what he's doing, it sounds like, is he's presenting you with a scenario where you would think that killing is maybe justified and asking you to test your beliefs. No, it's not justified. I, it never says that. What it does is says it's not that bad and that we kind of like, we really like this guy and that we really disliked her. So apart from the fact that it's a horrible thing to shoot somebody... It's really not that bad, and can't we give him a break? And can't do? do you have to really put him in jail that much? You know, a lot of people. And here's the other thing that I thought was really significant. Uh, I, made, I made this point to Linkletter and also to Catherine Hardwick, the director of Twilight, during a conversation at the after party. Why was she there? I think she was there because she likes Linkletter, and she was invited by the people it, with Millennium, and they're trying to get some celebrity name people to show up yeah. and get some publicity for the film because mm-hmm. they all know it's not going to be very, you know you didn't have any interest in seeing it did you no, why not until i talked to you about it yeah i think the reason is the combination of jack black and it being called bernie mm-hmm. makes you sort of think it's oh just some dumb jack black movie yeah. because it's called bernie some kind of little thing that doesn't have a good big concept. Yeah, it is definitely a character study, but it's not just, it's a character study of what people are like. How many times have you spoken to other people? I've heard you, I've heard a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand people say the same thing. No matter what the person is about, or how gifted they are, or how um, uh, smart, or how, uh, how important they are, or how unimportant, what matters is they say, he's, he or she is really nice. Right. You know? That really matters to everybody. He's, he's doing something interesting, which is that we're not a nation of laws. We're a nation of emotions. We're about, we care about people. We don't really care about the circumstances. If we believe in people that we like, that's mainly what, we, what matters to us and not what they did or what they're, you know, if we like people, we like them. Doesn't matter. I know, but it still seems strange to make a whole movie about that, starring Jack Black and That's shooting Shirley MacLaine in the back and all that. Uh, I got to tell you, I <laughs> felt kind of the same thing. I didn't feel that engaged by it, but something happened on the second viewing. So interesting. Well, let's move on to the the can yeah. lineup situation. Sure. sure. So you were surprised, and I was surprised that they that they uh, that Paul Thomas Anderson didn't let his film come in this year. Yeah. I mean, I know he he premiered his um, "There Will Be Blood" at Fantastic Fest when that was out. God, I'm he- hearing an echo. Are you? Uh, echo. I'm not feeling. I, I've been hearing that kind of uh, uh, that lineup of. Uh, I mean, that that sound of uh, of, of wind blowing, but I otherwise not. No. Hmm. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo, but that's strange. Um, <clears throat> so you you think it's? I wasn't surprised though, were you? I mean, because I I know him a little bit. I mean, I've talked to him, and I know that he really, really, it's he just hates letting a film go. I mean, he's like Malik, I guess, on some level, uh, uh, and I think probably on some psychological level, he didn't want it out there to be part of the. Uh, he didn't want it to be in the world until. September, Telluride, something like that. Right, I, I just right. don't think he wanted it out there. He probably could have gotten it done. Right. But why did people all think it was going? That's a good question. Where did it begin? Where did the idea that it might be, uh, I guess, well... It was in all the speculation pieces, and it was in yeah. the New York Times right before the announcement. Everybody said that they were yeah. expecting no, that, it. Yes, exactly. That was what you said, and I, I agree with that. Why would the New York Times be writing about something that everybody's been talking about the Scientology background, and why would they run it now? It seems to me that they were timing it because they expected it would show up in can and might as well get get the conversation started, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it's not going, but a lot of other great movies are. Um, what would you say is your number one pick here? Probably um, I'm reading your list of Hollywood Elsewhere's yeah. special interest and yeah. meh films and neutrals <laughs> i gotta say that the andrew dominic possibly is certainly the one that i have a lot of yeah that that plus the cronenberg and um uh i don't feel as intrigued well let's be specific and explain what we're talking about rather than talking okay. shorthand Great. when i say the cronenberg i'm talking about cosmopolis which is basically about a, a yuppie scumbag played by um well, we don't know he's a scumbag. We're talking about a, uh, a yuppie Masters of the Universe played by R. Pats. I don't uh, think he's going to be a scumbag, do you? Okay. I, I don't know, know but I I'm just presume. I mean, doesn't it mean if you're playing a, a traitor and a Wall Street guy who's got all tons of money, you're automatically a villain of some sort? Aren't Maybe you? so, or someone who's about to get their comeuppance. Yeah. Right. So that there's that, and uh, he's kind of like Odysseus. Uh, trying to get back home. He, basically, it's about a one limousine ride across New York City. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how that uh, spans into a feature-length film, but that's kind Oh, of how great, though. <laughs> Sounds so great. Yeah, love I love David Cronenberg. and You know, I like David Cronenberg when he lets himself loose. I felt that he was kind of constrained with uh, a dangerous method. Like, I don't know, somebody told him he had to make an Oscar movie or something, but... yeah. There you could feel the constraints. But with this, I hope he's just he lets himself be unleashed and, and really go for it. So I don't know about uh, uh, about the Haneke. I, 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 you know, Haneke's film, which is called Amour, which is about an older couple and a younger woman. Mm. Uh, Jean, uh, Jean-Louis Twintignon is the uh, older uh, husband. I don't know enough about it, but, I, but Haneke is, a, is kind of a... Acquired taste, you kind of have to right. be, be able to appreciate. I'm, I'm a little suspicious, also, of Lee Daniels' film, which <laughs> that's the one I can't wait for. <laughs> Why is that? Because mean that. no, I mean, did you see the photos that they just posted? Look on my my website. I just posted them of uh, Nicole Kidman looking very vampish for Paperboy, and she's you know she's like in full to die for mode, which I think to die for might be my favorite Nicole Kidman role. She's just great when she plays that kind of part, you know, really sexy, you know, over the top, kind of mean. You know, she does that so well, better than 
better than she does any other kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Here she is. <laughs> and I just looked at that and I thought, man, that looks so. And then <laughs> Zac she, Efron running around in his underwear and lots of sex between the two of them. You know, that's that's going to be a great one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, it'll just be really campy, and I, you know, I just can't wait for that. And can I briefly ask a question? I um, happened to uh, see a Spanish trailer, a second one for The Impossible, uh, and I put I put it up like a couple days ago, just because it, it was very similar to a previous uh, teaser. And is what Ryan has put up today? Is that a, a different thing? Is that like, uh, or is that the same thing? Um, well, if, if it just came out today, it's probably the same thing. But I'm not sure. I have to look and see what he did. But doesn't Nicole Kidman look so great? Yes, she looks terrific, and uh, and I'm glad you put that up because I wasn't really aware of that. Uh, uh, I didn't know about that. So uh, I mean, he I says it's uh, the Spanish trailer for yeah for the impossible. That's what it says. It doesn't say teaser. It just says trailer. So I don't know. Maybe. I hate this new trend of teaser trailers. Like, here's a teaser for the trailer. <laughs> so dumb. Why do they do that? It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, okay. That's so. becoming. Uh, people have declared uh, pretty definitively that they're very, very tired of teasers, trailers, and come ons yeah. for Prometheus. I know. Gotcha. <laughs> that one finally. This, you know, just stop it. You know. That jumped the shark. That one. The, the yeah. marketing on that, unfortunately, just went a little over the top. But yeah. Um, yeah, now it's sort of like, who cares? You know, you, you you can do that thing only so much, and and the heat for a project is either there or it isn't. And I wonder if in the private meetings that marketing people have, uh, whether it's like that scene in the Hucksters in which uh, Sidney Greenstreet, who's playing the head of a uh, advertising agency and they're selling and clark gable is one of the guys who who's on the team and he sits down and he uh, everybody's waiting for him to sit down he sits down and he hawks up a big loogie and he spits on the table <laughs> and he says gentlemen you have just seen me do a disgusting thing mm. it is thoroughly disgusting but you will never forget it and that is the principle of advertising. You know, you have to irritate, irritate, <laughs> push it in, push it in, you know. Wow. And, you know, and, and they're selling beauty soap. What is the difference between all soaps? Nothing. You know, the color, the perfume, it's all the same crap. And we're, But we're going to irritate the hell out of them until till it's coming out of their ears. Maybe that's what they're saying. It's these Fox marketing. We don't care if Sasha Stone and Jeffrey Wells are sick of watching Prometheus teasers and trailers. We're going to irritate that public to the point that it's that – Prometheus no. is going to be coming out of their ears and their eyeballs, and they're going to go to see it when it opens. They're trying to make it like The Dark Knight Rises. And, and The Dark Knight Rises is a, is a movie that you can't – the excitement is so high for that that they, you couldn't over-market it. However many teasers you created for that, people would lap them up. You know, That's the only movie where I could see that. Prometheus and and the I'm already sick of a lot of them, you know, <laughs> by now, and they haven't even opened. <laughs> but you can't really make people be interested in something. You can't force it. It's either there or it isn't. And I think it was there for Prometheus, but I think they overdid it too much. I was so interested and so cranked up about that film. I just think it's, I think they should let it alone and just start showing it. Maybe 
when is it going to open again? Is it late May or is it June? I can't remember now. I thought it was May, but I'll have to look it up. Um, so what about this Lawless by John Hillcoat? That looks pretty good, doesn't it? That used to be called the wettest county in the nation or the, or the U.S. or the wettest county or just, right. the, yeah, just plain the wettest county. Uh, so why did they retitle it, do you think? Um, I don't know. Maybe because Terrence Malick's had the Lawless and, and then that's out of can. I don't know. Could that be possible? Yeah. Um, but it looks really good. It's um, Tom Hardy, Guy Pierce, Gary Oldman. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, looks great. That's another one. That that one I'm really looking forward to. And once again, though, you're looking at a pretty much 100% male directors, aren't you, for competition films? Are yes, there that was women? noted uh, very early on. And I, um, and I That's think bizarre. that the, the point has to be made, though. The research has to be delivered that there are two or three or four or five worthy-sounding films made by female directors that are ready or close to ready, and they were, were seen or they could have been seen, and, they, and for some reason Terry Fremo decided against it. Then you have a case, well, why didn't they let some female directors uh, into the festival? But nobody's done that reporting that I know about. And they, they didn't, and, and they got so they took so much heat last year for that. Yeah. That's why it's weird to me that no one said anything. But I do see a lot of female directors in the other categories, um, on right. certain regard and yeah. special screenings and stuff like that. So there are going to be. It's just that there aren't any in competition, which is really strange. Right. But um, yeah, and you're yeah. right. No one really talked about it. Now going back again, I've I've got this big uh, interruption in my schedule. When I'm over, uh, I usually come back from Cannes. I just do a week or something uh, somewhere over in Europe and then come back in, like, early June. I'm not going to come back until, like, late June. So um, Prometheus, we were just saying, when does it open? It opens on June the 8th. Oh. So we've got another, uh, well, it's late April. We're going to be in May before you know it. So it's got another six weeks of teasers, trailers, come-ons. When do you think they're going to actually start to show it to folks, would you think? Pretty pretty soon, I would imagine. Probably when we're in Cannes. <laughs> yeah, probably when everybody's in Cannes, yeah. Um, Wouldn't that make sense a couple weeks before? I think they should have played it at Cannes. They should have done that like they did with Pirates of the Caribbean and Wall Street. They should just show it there. That would be cool, wouldn't it? It would be. No. Do you think that they would possibly announce that as a last-minute surprise? or? Well, they can't because they've got the opening night all taken care of. and uh, Usually... It's too late, minute, yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, last year Can came like a week later, didn't it? So it seems like they've been kind of caught with this last-minute date change, and they, they're sort of caught behind a little bit, it seems like. Like, I still haven't gotten my my official credential yet from them. Uh, I know I'm, I'm okay, they told me, but it's just weird to have, you know, what if what if I didn't? What if I didn't know I was going and I was applying and <clears throat> I wasn't hearing? And then now, all of a sudden, I have to start trying to plan housing and stuff like that? Right now? I mean, it's almost impossible to get a place over there now. I guess, I guess what they're saying to themselves is we cannot really accommodate people's travel arrangements and their schedules we just have a system 
where even though the uh, person who's going to be booking a place for themselves is probably going to be looking at booking something in February or yeah or the- March at the latest, you know, you really got you can't just wait until April to do it. You got to get on it. So, um, but we can't deal with that. They're just going to have to uh, throw caution to the wind and hope that we like them enough to give them a. And and, and unless you're a, a new person, you have to pretty much assume that you have been uh, accepted a year before or two years or three right. years. They're not going to turn you down. So. No, I know it's true. But um, and those paparazzi guys—they're the ones you have to compete with, and they're sharks, man. They are sharks. You don't want to get how, between. How do they configure in your? Because they—they pl- All I know is that I've been trying to get early housing over there um, for a long time, and starting as early as I can possibly make the arrangements. Because there are a lot of really good cheap hotels in the area, yeah. but you have to get there early and get them. Sure. Um, but those paparazzi, it's it's in my imagination that I imagine that these guys are the ones <laughs> taking up all the rooms. Because <laughs> they're the ones who totally dominate the press room. They just get in there with their internet connections and their giant cameras, and they hog all the tables. They are a dread. They, they are a pain, isn't it? You know, whenever you want to write something, it's it's like ninety or eighty percent of those paparazzi. And they're guys. stealing all the Wi-Fi. They're slowing it way down, uploading their high-resolution photos. They're mean. That's true. <laughs> and they're also, really aggressive. And yeah. I, that's why I envision that they're the ones who'd get all the rooms early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, they're real. They're real uh, animalistic and, and brutal, and, and they don't fool around. They really, no. they're you know, they're not uh, come see, come saw, easygoing types at all. So. Not at all, and they are vicious, and they will get right into that, take that table, right. and it always slows down. You can't use Wi-Fi when those guys are in there. You're always getting bumped off. I've noticed that. Yes, you're tr- it's very true because they, they really eat up all the bandwidth uh, with all those uh, huge uploads. And they're always sending, of course, you know, they're sending sizable photographs and we're talking about and, – and every year I've, I've been there, they've always uh, – they, they were always overwhelmed, the, the, the can people, because they don't have enough um, – Wi-Fi strength or whatever the term is, enough memory, enough bandwidth to offer to people. So it's always not quite good enough. But it's mm. it's it's okay. So. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, I mean, who can complain? It's so yeah. lovely being there. Yeah. Everything about it is lovely. I, uh, I always uh, buy a um, access to the American Pavilion. Yeah. Uh, because at least sometimes when it's so awful up there. Uh, and there's no room to sit, and there's then you keep getting bumped off. I can go down to the American Pavilion tent and at least use that at least. Sometimes but, it's really hard to sit down there too. Yeah. And you have Sometimes to put up with all that douchebag conversations going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it though. I bought my my membership last year. I never went in there one time, not once, because I was driving. You know, I was driving back and forth, and I wasn't spending a lot of time down there. But. Um, I'll buy it again this year. It's just good to have. They sometimes have really good events if you can stay on top of it and get in there. Last year they had a very good press conference. It was worth it entirely because of, uh, it was Ryan Gosling and and Nick, uh, uh, the drive guys, uh, hmm. uh, uh, were there um, for a little tiny press conference inside a little tiny tent room, and uh, it was great. So it was all worth it for that one thing. Yeah, I really liked the one, the fair game panel that they did the year before that yeah yeah oh, doug lyman yeah that was great but i like the, the american pavilion plus it's nice to show allegiance to your country anyway 
when you're there. I'm an American. <laughs> I get to be in my American pavilion. I remember writing something about when you're up in the press room in the Orange Cafe and people are like, everybody's kind of quiet. They're just focusing on what they have to do. It's very mm. professional and very, but you go down to the American pavilion and it's all kids going, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> all these youngins. They're so cute though. You know, with their little badges and, you know, all kinds of ambition. And then all the, like, beautiful waitresses there, you know. There's just women everywhere, beautiful women. Yeah. All over the American Pavilion, you know. Right. I like the, um, in the regular, in the Palais de Festival, they have all these old-timers, you know, who've been there for just decades working the festival. Yeah. And they all have that, like, beachcomber look on them, you know, weathered faces, blonde hair. You just know they've lived there their whole lives. They love the beach. They work there the festival every year. It's yep. just such a nice atmosphere. Uh, <clears throat> nice place to go. And, and, you know, the movies all look really good to me. I, I'm not seeing, a, a you know, a dog in the bunch so far. What's what's this mud with Jeff Nichols? I see you put a he by it. Well, um, I'm uh, very much of a fan of Jeff Nichols because I really loved um, the, um, the Michael <sighs> idiot. I just blanked out again. Uh, take Shelter. He did Take Shelter, and that oh, was a very okay. moving, well-done film. Yeah, it's great. You know? And he's not a, you know, he was, there was a, kind of a spooky feeling that he imparted, and he treaded the line between is uh, our protagonist, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe having a pretty serious, uh, you know, psychological, emotional breakdown, or, uh, but he let you think that just maybe there might be something to his mm-hmm. fears of uh, apocalyptic doom coming, and he um, he sold them both pretty well, and I thought it was cool that he did that. Yeah. So I, I I respected Jeff Nichols after that. I didn't know him, but I said this guy is good. So I became excited at the idea of his new film when I saw it. I thought, well, that's got to be worth seeing. So. Absolutely, and God, Take Shelter was such an unexpected. Um, su- surprise last year because it wasn't just the story and the acting it was the framing of the shots like I think he's a really conscientious director yeah and you don't see that a lot especially mm-hmm. with indie indie directors tend to be kind of sloppy and handheld right. close-ups and you know they, they are are lazy because they're trying to hurry the story along or but he isn't. Every shot was conceived, you know, brilliantly, I thought. It was really beautifully filmed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in this one, you got Reese Witherspoon, Matthew McConaughey, Michael Shannon again, Sarah Paulson, yeah. Yeah. Sam Shepard. Right. And uh, it's about two kids protecting a fugitive in Mississippi. They help him escape from an island in Mississippi, it says here. Yep. Sounds great. That's a good one. Incidentally, uh, Prometheus, I was just looking at this. Prometheus, uh, as we noted, uh, opens on June 8th commercially. But in Europe, in France in particular, it does. It opens on uh, the 30th of May, oh. which would suggest that perhaps there would be, in fact, it would be kind of strange if they didn't have some kind of market screening of Prometheus, wouldn't you think? Right, yeah. all, With all the uh, uh, internet. All, it's, it opens June 1st, May 30th, and May 31st in pretty much every European territory. It seems strange that they wouldn't have it there in Cannes. Yeah, at least for buyers, at least somebody, you know. So The only time, the only places where it is opening after the U.S. debut of June 8th is 
basically the, uh, Vietnam and Poland and um, that that line of country. So, mm. so how about this Alain Rene movie? Uh, well, he's a animated filmmaker. Alain Rene. Alain Rene. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Uh, I don't think he's. Um, He's he's like Hitchcock uh, was in the '60s and early '70s. And he's, uh, you know that you're going to get an assured uh, experience, uh, a some aesthetic experience that's going to be very complete and very whole because he's a skilled uh, uh, older filmmaker who's been around for many many decades. But I don't trust that he's going to be doing anything all that dynamic or jolting for me uh, because I don't think it's a natural tendency for filmmakers to to be really profound except when you were talking about Bunuel and who did amazing things in his 70s and mm-hmm. 80s. So. Yeah, it's so hard to know. I, have, I don't have a great deal of excitement, but I certainly have the respect and I certainly intend to see the film. So. I know, and it might be his last, right? You never know. Never know. But um, so he did last year at Marienbad, right? I'm looking here on IMDb. Is he's yes. the guy behind that? Yeah. Uh, so he's sort of a legend, living legend. Yes. Um, okay. He is. I would. I would. Incidentally. So why does he get an M, dude? He gets a meh. You give a living legend a meh uh, on your website. <laughs> uh, meh doesn't mean I'm not going to see it. I just. I just. You know, you have to kind of decide which ones you're going to see, and well, sometimes it's see an all the ones or in I'd like it. To, I'd like to see each and every film there. But you I have to see the competition feel, ones at least. I feel the enthusiasm. You know? yeah. I feel respect, but not enthusiasm. This, that's all. I'm not trying to say no, or I don't think it's going to be any good. I'm just kind of meh about it. So. Okay, and then Guy Lodge gave you a hard time for not putting um, any the interest Kir- behind Kira- it. Kira- the Kira's tummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think about that? Because <laughs> neither of us liked certified copy very much. No. <laughs> we were like the only two who didn't. <laughs> well, it was very clear that certified copy was made by a master filmmaker who was holding himself back and delivering it in a very particular way. And uh, But uh, it's one of the most infuriating films oh, I, I saw. You know? So. That was like it was like Chinese torture to me in a way. Like it was really hard to watch it. God, great! Well, I see they're play acting. They're not really married. They're pretending, or they they didn't really know. Each- I don't even know if they knew each other and they were play acting from the beginning or what was going on. I don't. Know? I just think it was a, absurd. Like I think yeah. it, it's one of those things that means what you want it to mean. You know, yeah. which can be interesting in its own way. It's just that uh, I, I I just found myself agitated and bored by it Mm -hmm. you know and i don't think that was the reaction you were supposed to have but i think if you're younger maybe and you haven't sort of lived through these kind of relationships and Mm. or maybe if you have i don't know maybe it's just me and you we're looking for something a little more linear but Mm. um it's just sort of about the mystery of life the mystery of relationships how they don't make sense right you know and she's so pretty and fun to watch that you know it wasn't a total washout, but it wasn't my favorite movie by him for sure. But so, but he's he's a really great director, and and hopefully this one will be good. Yeah. Uh, I was um, I know that Carlos Regadas he has a film called uh, Post Tenebras Lux, 
the meaning of which I do not know. I have I have done zero research on these films, yeah. uh, but I know that Regattas is a major uh, director in the, his um, his his chops, his 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 silences, uh, his compositions. He's one of the most entrancing filmmakers uh, out there. So that's something that's very high on my list. Yeah. I, I may have said meh because I. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I, I've, I've rethought it, and I think I was, I should have maybe. Uh, in fact, I'm going to change that right now. <laughs> I, <feel laughs> I need to look them up. I need to, to do more research at going in because I really don't want to walk in cold seeing yeah. any movie. But, um, but you know, I, I tend to be, you know, obviously my, my major blind spot is with Asian, um, you know, Korean and Chinese filmmakers here. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the Koreans are always great. Yep. They tend to turn in really great films, generally. Matteo Jarone is the Italian filmmaker who did whose last film was um, Gomorra. Oh, the, great! The, uh, you know the crime thing around the, the Bay of Naples. Yeah, and that's hardcore. That was a pretty significant film, so I'm <laughs> looking forward. To that. Yeah, I hope this is a little less hardcore than that, but. <clears throat> because that kind of you felt you're kind of trapped in the mafia and you couldn't get out. And you felt it was that, yeah, it was harsh. Dude. I mean, it, it's supposedly yeah. that's a, a much more realistic depiction of what it's like, what the mob is really like, a non-romanticized version of it. Yeah, it's just really hard to sit through, incredibly yeah. hard. But what a raw, you know, interesting. Yeah. Talk about your handheld. But it was like uh-huh. you were right in in the action. Sure. With that. Uh, Walter Sal's film is uh, called On the Road, based on the Jack Kerouac. Uh, is a um, been uh, rumored for many months. It's been sitting around for quite a long time. They shot it a while back. Um, I'm kind of... Um, I, I love Walter Sells and I loved um, uh, Motorcycle Diaries, but I felt that there was a better story there, because Motorcycle Diaries is about the dawning of a humanistic conscience mm. in, a, in a man that we all know became not just a humanist, but eventually a communist and a Marxist right. and a hardcore revolutionary. And so it had a lot of uh, undercurrent that kind of drew you to it. I don't know that the uh, kind of the, the, the youthful, rebellious kind of, you know, beat, beat generation driving around in a car and kind of like, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and, or sex, drugs, and jazz or whatever, you know. It's, what are you going to do with that? I mean, where, where's it, where can it go? You know, it's uh, it's Dean Moriarty again. It's it's um, it's I mean, um, it, it's the, the, the character based upon uh, upon. Um, boy, I'm having this real. That's okay. Know, no, no. Mom. Dean Moriarty is Neil Cassidy. Neil Cassidy, Jesus. And so, uh, you know, and then it's Kerouac, and then the, the, the Cassidy's wife, played by Kristen Stewart, and. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where it can go. I don't know what it can deliver that we haven't seen any number of times. We've seen, you know, kind of like road movies where, where what's going on? Nothing. Where, where are we going? Where we're just kind of going, man. I don't know where where it can go. I don't know what can, you know, it's it's been very, very thoroughly mined, you know. You think uh, so? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like it's sort of a reintroduction of Kerouac to, to the younger generations, um, the Kristen Stewart fans for one. I hope that that people do rediscover that beautiful prose. I was reading back through it again today because I was captioning some of those photos with with quotes about the characters from the book. And man, that guy, he could really write. He was, I know it's like an obvious statement to make, but that kind of literature, that kind of breakthrough literature Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, it was such a, a change from what people were reading. He really did make a, you know, 
whole generation, he changed whole generations of writers and inspired them and continues to inspire them. And, but a lot of people have no, never bothered to sit down and read Jack Kerouac. They just know the lifestyle, you know. So I'm hoping that On the Road will be... Well, how do you um, acquaint yourself with a, uh, with a real current of, of, of really good, good writing and, and, and a, a kind of a jazz, jazz writing, you know, where mm. he, he just had that roll of paper in his typewriter and he just, like, yeah. punched it out, you know. Well, he was all uh, on drugs, of course, right? Yeah. He was on Benny's. <laughs> They were and, just and, and the alleged Truman Capote, you remember, to say that's not writing, that's typing. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was stream of consciousness writing, and, and of course, you know, the Dharma bums and the, what's well, the Dharma bums, or is it the karma? It's the Dharma bums. Yeah, that whole group of, of people who kind of lived that lifestyle are still inspiring people to this day to kind of write like that, that stream of consciousness um, for poetry. Sure. And, and yeah. you know, the beat generation really lives on. It just doesn't live on in in the mainstream, but it's there. It's so there. Uh, but nobody did it as as well as Jack Kerouac. You know, Every, I think everybody else or they're just kind of posers. But if you go back and you read the prose, whether it was in whether it was infused by drugs, a mania or not, it's still startlingly beautiful, especially for the time. I think he was talking about stuff that people just didn't talk about in public back then. Jack Kerouac, as you know, became an alcoholic. Uh, and he became a right-wing reactionary hmm. who despised uh, uh, hippies and was um, pro-Viet, pro-Vietnam War, and he lived with his mom. Uh, whereas William Burroughs, who was part of that early generation, late 40s, uh, you know, kind of beatitude, beatific, he, um, he was always William Burroughs to the end, and he didn't become this corrupted strange person well neither did alan ginsburg he was you know he in many ways ginsburg eclipsed kerouac yeah you know his poetry certainly did and uh his i mean he just his contribution to literature is insane and he's in on the road as a young man Uh who has like an i think an a bisexual affair with neil cassidy i think Okay. I think they had had a, like an on again, off again, and I think there was this question whether Neil Cassidy was macho or whether he was gay. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm interested to see what what Walter Salas's take on it is. I'm also yeah. kind of intrigued by this idea that there are two movies coming out this year: Great Gatsby and um, On the Road, which are uh, seminal. Is that the right word? I mean, they're uh-huh. they're really, I mean, the two American, not great American novels that are done and interpreted by foreign directors from other countries and uh-huh. i'm just i'm very intrigued and happy that that they're in the forefront and that we'll be able to talk about them again because they're two of my favorite books and they're just the most important in, uh, are, you, are you a little bit terrified by what baz Luhrmann is going to do <laughs> With, um, I, I love Basler. Scott Fitzgerald. You know that he's. <laughs> if there's any one director of a major status who is known for having, in fact, really going the opposite direction of restraint, he really is. Uh, uh, you know, he's not. He he was out of control uh, when he made Australia. I thought. Yeah. Uh, did you like? He's Australia? not such a deep you thinker. Able to sit through that. He's not a very no. It's terrible. He's not a deep thinker, Buzz Lerman. and I hope that he, what he's doing is, you know, obviously why redo Great Gatsby? You know, it was already done with Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Maybe that was a not bad very movie. Satisfyingly. No, but it doesn't. 
I mean, look, the book is so good. It's so rich. It's just one of the best things ever written, and it's hard to make that into a movie. I, I, I would like to see someone do it totally differently with, like, let's say, um, you know, all black characters or, you know, in, in a way that people could understand what, what the whole book is about. And instead of, I'm just going to celebrate the time and the clothes and the flapper, you know, which is Zelda Fitzgerald as Daisy Buchanan. And, you know, I don't know what Boz Lerman is thinking. At least with Walter Salas, you know that he's really about Kerouac. Like, he's, he's into the book, and he made all the actors go to beat camp, and he wants them to know the authentic... <laughs> <laughs> Kerouac. Did you that phrase, or did he say that? Where did you hear that? No, I, I found pictures of it. There was actual beat camp that Kristen Stewart went to, <laughs> that they all went to. They had to learn about the beats, and they had to study the characters they were playing, and that's how much he cares about that. So he's really deep into it. I don't know how much Baz Luhrmann is into this novel. That's why I'm saying, like, it's interesting to me that it's these foreign directors, because when you think of The Great Gatsby, you think of America, you know, because that's what it's about. It's about... Um, you know, it's about being a Jew in America. It's about, a, a, you know, being rich, being poor. It's about overcoming. It's about the American dream. It's about old money versus new money, you know, and it's just so elegantly written. <laughs> it's hard to imagine someone as obvious, you know, as Boz Lerman being able to capture the subtleties in it. So I don't know if he if he is going to approach it from that end. Like it's about the American dream. It's about failure. It's about Jew, you know, being a Jew and being weird and being you know an outsider. And I don't know if he's going to be able to capture all that stuff. I sort of think what he's doing is redoing the movie, not the book. Redoing the movie with Robert Redford and you know and sort of heightening that aspect of it. Like I don't know. I'll just have to see what he does. I have no idea why he chose The Great Gatsby. None whatsoever. Yeah. But if I. If it were me, I would think that the person wanting to do that book would be someone who is really invested in America, in American history and American themes and American writers, because that to me is what Gatsby's all about, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't matter because I'm just happy that someone's making that movie. And I'm happy that it's being talked about. And, uh, you know, it's such a great book. It really is. And it ha- was actually shot in 3D. That's the idea. To make Jesus it. Christ. <laughs> if Scott Fitzgerald would roll over his grave. Yeah. I swear to God. I just wonder what could be in store with this. Series. Well, it's just so yeah. funny because it's such a gaudy mess. And, you know, yeah. that's kind of what Gatsby is the opposite of. It's sort of right. about this poor guy who bought himself into being mm-hmm. a gaudy mess and how that doesn't really do much. Right. And so he's right. kind of gilding the lily here. But maybe he's he knows he's doing that. And maybe Maybe he's going to nod at himself. I don't know. Who knows? Blah, 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 blah. And the other, of course, the opening nighter, which we haven't discussed yet. And I hear those desert winds really blowing around. Sorry. Nothing we can do about it. Is that a jet over? over? No, it's not. It's it's, it's either yours or my sound system. (laughs) (laughs) Are you there? Yeah, Sorry. it went away for a while. Well, because I disconnected. Oh. So I guess it's on my end. Uh, yeah. I hope I it's not on the recording. I'll have to see when I redo it. Mm. Um, uh, okay, um, so opening night is... What is Moonrise Kingdom. And, right. Um, I wrote some time ago that I was um, a, little, a little dismayed that I feel like I've got Wes Anderson's uh, uh, world figured out 
by now, and I think I'm a little tired of younger kids uh, being depicted in this film. I'd like to see more adults. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. That really is a plane uh, going over, by the way. This is, uh, yeah, it went away, whatever happened. Yeah. No, no, it's back. No, that's an actual airplane. <laughs> <laughs> it's passing over. All right. All right. Okay. So I don't, uh, I mean, this is about a, uh, I think a 12-year-old or 11-year-old, and they are in love with each other, and they want to get married, and they, uh, they're they part of, a, I guess, a kind of a summer troop. He's a Boy Scout, and she's in, and they run away together, and they, people have to try and find them. They're 11? Well, have you seen the trailer? I don't know if I did or not. It's not 14 or 15, I assure you. They're like 12 or 11 or something like that. Wow, it's so young. I mean, to be doing something like that, to not really... What well, I don't think they're getting carnal or anything. I'm just saying they're in love with each other. I know, but that's usually the age when kids are like, ew, boys, ew, girls, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's they don't true. start becoming boyfriend and girlfriend until a couple years after that. Yeah. 13. Right, right. You know? Don't know. Just, it's just that I feel uh, the reason I'm, I don't feel great enthusiasm. I feel interest. I will always be interested. I'll never not want to see the next Wes Anderson film. But I just don't know that I that he's got anything new here. He seems like he's this is his familiar backyard territory that um, where everybody is kind of eccentric and kind of deadpan and. Uh, uh, you, you feel like you've kind of seen it. You feel like you know him pretty well, and he, there's a certain predictability to his um, to the type of film that he enjoys making. That comes out of him. It's part of him. It's honest. Uh. And it's true, and that's who he is. Mm. Not saying, but I, I, I wrote that I would love to see him uh, make a film about adults, about a guy who rides a motorcycle, about a guy who has has a hot girlfriend. You know, just something other than Wes Anderson world yeah. characters. But that's probably not a very fair thing to say. It's like saying, why doesn't Jacques Tati make a Sam Fuller film? I right. Mean, or Woody Anderson. Allen make a, you know, a mob movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not Broadway Danny Rose, but a different... Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I was I was noting last year that, that there was there were all the major influential American directors in play last year. Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, uh-huh. and maybe one more. But those three guys kind of burst all the different generations of filmmakers and, and you know you can you can tell oh yeah and and they they all the modern filmmakers come from one through of those three right so it's like jj abrams is of the spielberg school and wes anderson is of the woody allen school quentin tarantino's from the scorsese school you know like they all sort and, and wes anderson is right it reminds me of like you know there's so many directors like him like Whit stillman and you know they, they have the, their oeuvre you know they're they're, they're little universes. They're kind of comical, quirky. They use a lot of the same players, and, you know, um, they're whimsical, you know, and he definitely comes out of that school, to me, I think, of the Woody Allen world of filmmaking. And, you know, you either take to it or you don't. And for me, Woody Allen's pretty much the only one who can do that. Listen, you can't beat this cast. It's like Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, Harvey Keitel, Francis McDormand. These are some great actors here so it's going to be enjoyable no matter what i don't think it's going to suck it's hard with can because it is hit and miss you know and those frenchies they boo they don't like them (laughs) (laughs) they don't like the movie they're gonna boo (laughs) i'll never forget them booing at the end of tree of life (laughs) 
didn't matter. So quickly, yeah. the can Oscar connection has never been more prominent as because usually people write it off and they say, oh, you know, can is way too early. It has no effect on Oscar. Well, not only was last year's Best Picture winner debuting in Cannes, but two other of the Best Picture nominees came out there, and that was Midnight in Paris and Tree of Life. Uh-huh. So, of all the movies that I'm looking at here, in term, and we don't know what the Academy's going to do. We don't know if they're going to go back to five or if they're going to stick with the hideous nine like they did last year. Or Listen, I really think that the ones that I've already got blocked out as likely Oscar, I don't think that they're going to pay any attention to any of these. It doesn't seem like it, but you didn't. You wouldn't have thought the artist going in either. So keep your mind open. I would like. I am. My, I think my mind the, is wide open. I would love it yeah. if something like, say, the Andrew Dominic. The, uh, it's going to be the, that. No. It's going to be the 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 ones or, to look at. Cosmopolis or Paper Cosmopolis. Boy. I would be in heaven if if the if that was the kind of thing that made it made it on the ten best list of people. Right, that would but be wonderful. Yeah, and there's only one Oscar-nominated director in the whole lineup, and that's Lee Daniels. Yeah. So you got to consider Paperboy and then Cronenberg uh, and then Lawless, John Hillcoat, right. and Mud, Jeff Nichols, I hope. Yeah. Maybe On the Road is going to get something. With Michelle Robertson back in that thing, it's going to get something. So, yeah, keep an eye out for the, the Oscar connection. And maybe something out of competition will show there, too, that might be... But I'm looking at it. I'm not seeing any of the kind of names. Although, who would have ever picked, you know, what's his name? Michelle Hazanavicious to be <laughs> the Best Director winner just by looking at a list. You never would have. So. Boy, I sure didn't see it. You know, I just said, this is a nice film. This is a pleasing film. Yeah. It's going to be a popular film with people who love movies. I know. I would, I'm going to tell people that they should see it if they're... But this is not a major uh, best picture thing. It's sure yeah. as shit. It's not going to win. I mean, that's that's exactly what I said to myself. But you know, it's it's like a presidential election. It's it's really like that. I mean, you you can't say that you know walking in, you would think that Mitt Romney would be even Stephen with Barack Obama, but he is right now in the polls. It's just funny that the Oscar race is the same way. The buzz, the shifting of the buzz, is all so much about perception and the story. It's so. It's so not about the movie itself. And it's weird to watch every year how it all plays out. It really is. But um, but everybody voted for the artist, you know, not just the Academy. Uh, strange, isn't it? <laughs> it's so strange. But we're cashing our checks, Jeff. <laughs> we're cashing our checks. <laughs> uh, well, I can't wait to get out by the Mediterranean. It's so pretty. Yep. It's so pretty there, and yeah. um, the way it smells is lovely. I love the aroma. We I should go too. to uh, Antibes again, just for old times' sake. Antibes, and I'll get my wallet stolen again. Mm. <laughs> All right, honey. Well, we should hang up now so I can go get uh, Emma. But are we going to talk when you're in CinemaCon? Oh, sh- certainly, absolutely. Yes. And when are you coming back from CinemaCon? <clears throat> Uh, well, I'm going to have to come back Thursday night because I have to come here, uh, do the final packing, and then leave for New York uh, the next morning at 10.30 in the morning. So, um, Well, let's try to get a podcast together with you and Phil while you guys are in CinemaCon. Wednesday or something. Yeah, we'll see if you that. can connect with him. He'll probably be really busy, but we might be able to squeeze out some time. It'd be fun to talk to you while you're there. Or, or maybe sometime Thursday, at least, because we yeah. will be able to at least incorporate whatever happens on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then Thursday, Great. we can um, you know, talk about what's happened. Because Thursday okay. night, 
the final night is a ward ceremony. It's not that vital. So. Yeah. All right. Let me also ask one thing. Uh, it takes me a while to get focused on these things, and I just was just floundering, and I couldn't think or speak with any clarity <laughs> when we were talking about Bernie. I must have made the same point. You want me to cut times. it down? The Bernie thing was embarrassing. <laughs> Down a little bit. I'm honest. I, I just couldn't. I don't just think you want to start a car. Fit. The car wouldn't start. And I just I'll cut it, it down a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't your fault, though. I was making you do all the work. So. But I'll go back and, and look at it yeah. again. All right. All right. We'll have a nice trip and be safe. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode 75 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back with our next episode with Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. The bumper music was dedicated to Levon Helm, who died last week. The opening song is The Wait Live. And we closed... We will close with Levon Helm covering Bruce Springsteen's Atlantic City. Thanks for listening. Well, they blew up the chicken man over in Philly last night, and they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. We're gonna see what them ragged boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state. And the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on the promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. Maybe everything that dies someday come back. Put your makeup on and fix your hair up pretty. Meet me tonight in Atlantic City. Took a job and I put my money away But I got them kind of debts That no honest man can pay So I threw out what I had from the Central Trust And I bought us two tickets On the Coast City bus Everything dies, baby, that's a fact Maybe everything that dies Someday come back Put your
looking for a job, but they're hard to find. There's winners and there's losers, and I'm south of the line. I'm tired of getting caught out on the losing end. So I talked to a man last night, gonna do a little favor for him. Everything Hey!